Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. And good evening, everyone. Welcome to Take2Radio Radio Soaps and Review. I'm Pam, your host, and joining me tonight is Lieutenant David. Hello, How David. are you? <laughs> Private... Anthony? Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Private Candace? Hello. And we're missing Private Carolyn, so she must be in the, what do you, what do you call the uh, the kitchen in the Army? The canteen. Um, mess hall. She's in one of those, making a mess somewhere in some canteen. I don't know. <laughs> She's in the canteen. That's where the alcohol is. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that could be. That could be. <laughs> oh my gosh! But tonight we welcome award-winning actor and singer Jacob Young. Uh, most of you may know him as Rick Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful, but he's also played J.R. Chandler on All My Children and Lucky Spencer on General Hospital which that role earned him a Daytime Emmy win as Outstanding Younger Actor. And some of you may also know that he sings and plays the guitar, but some of you may not know, but you're going to hear one of his songs tonight. So we're very, very pleased to welcome Jacob Young. Hello, Jacob. Hello. It's good to be here, to join everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We know you're so extremely busy and hopefully not in pain. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm not in in excruciating pain. Uh, it it actually feels like it's you know it's it's going to heal really nicely. Uh, but what a bummer! It's such a bummer to you know hurt yourself uh, and have to go through any of this. I always feel for people that you know break bones and. I guess it was just my time. Was is that oh. your first time breaking something? Well, no, it's it, it's my first time in a very long time. I, oh. I think the last time I broke anything, I was a freshman in high school, um, and you know, it's it's just never fun. It's just a horrible experience to go through, and uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad I'm actually feeling good. Oh, well, we're glad to hear it, and I hear that you're in a walking cast, so at least you're able to get around somewhat. I'm sure you're probably using, uh, what do you call those things? <laughs> Crutches. 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 Thank uh, you. I can't think tonight. No, I'm actually, think, technically I'm not on crutches because the brake was on the on the side of my foot. Uh-huh. So it, it wasn't really like my ankle. If it was my ankle, I think I would definitely need to be on crutches. So I really lucked out. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. Well, thankfully, that's one good thing. Um, but we hope that you heal very quickly and uh, don't have to break anything anymore. 
Yeah. Give us a spoiler. Will we see it on the Will we see it on the show? Well, uh, uh, no, I, I highly doubt that. Um, even if even if I was still in a walking cast, I would imagine that I would just somehow find a bigger shoe to put on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do a lot of sitting and behind the whatever, to, you know, scenes that you yeah. can. Well, That's right. I'd like, yeah. to, I'd like to start out tonight's interview a little bit differently just because our listeners know how we usually do this. But I'd actually like to play your song first, the one that we chose, and then okay. we can go ahead and discuss things from there. Is that all right? Yeah, that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody hold on. Here's Whiskey Kiss by Jacob Young. Your whiskey kiss, it burns like fire. Like twenty thousand times over, and I think I have. 
Encore, encore. <laughs> I'm telling you. Wow. Thank you. You yeah, are so awesome. amazing. <laughs> you guys, you're not only just talented actor, but you're singing. I mean, I didn't realize, you know, like once you started putting out the music recently that you had previously done other music, and I, I'm just wowed by you. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's just always been in me. It's, you know, it's it's a part of me. In fact, before acting, I was, I was singing. I remember I was probably seven years old, and I would go to the Moose Lodge with my, my dad and, and my stepmom at the time, and these, like, elderly ladies would feed me Roy Rogers to, to, to sing karaoke. Uh, and I think, it, I think it all just started there. It's, uh, it's just in a, you know, it's always just, it's, it's, it's natural to me is, is, you know, having a cup of coffee in the morning. It, it's really a, a, a passion of mine. And I, I'm not really out to, by any means, like, you know, I'm not trying to become famous with it. I just really legitimately enjoy writing music and recording music, and I had been so far detached from it. Um, you know, 2001 is when that first album had come out that I worked a year on, and I literally had crisscrossed the entire country going from radio station to radio station. I played an acoustic performance for the president of Clear Channel, his daughter, at their home in, in Dallas, Texas. Um, and, it, you know, the single was called Life is Good, and it was it was just amped up everywhere. We worked really hard on it. And it came out on 9-11, 2001. What are the chances? And it was just a a horrific day, you know, obviously. uh, Wow, yeah. For everybody involved Mm -hmm. in that. But it was just, it basically was, it was just, it was bad luck. So I don't know if you could blame me for kind of departing from it. I felt like it was some sort of omen. Maybe I was not meant to do this. And um, I never stopped writing and I never stopped singing. I just didn't do it publicly. And my wife always knew that it was completely in my heart. And obviously, as you know, husband and wife share those things, that she really gave me the energy and the strength and the courage to get back out there and really start doing it for real again. And, you know, maybe I'm a little bit coming back to late in the game. But again, it's not about me trying to prove anything to anybody except that I can do it for myself. And I'm just really thrilled, you know, with, with the, the, the way that these songs have been going. Uh, you know, on that track, I couldn't help but listen to that great guitar riff. Um, and that's my buddy Adam Schoenfeld, who tours with and, and plays on every Tim McGraw and Faith Hill album. He's oh, an amazing wow. guitarist. The drummer on there is, is Darius Rucker's drummer, also a good friend of mine, Jeff Marino. Uh, I just, you know, I've been really blessed to be able to work with the kind of talent that I, I have been, and it's uh, it's an exciting time. I'm really excited about it. Um, uh, and, um, you know, and I, I just was looking today at, on Spotify and Fool for You, which is another track I recently released. It's, you know, it's climbing up. It's, you know, it's just under 60,000 streams in, in no time. And I'm I'm very flattered by, you know, people responding and, yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I'm, I feel like I'm really living again. Well, a huge Aww. congratulations to you, and I want to say thank you to your wife for pushing you towards us again, because your voice needs to be heard. Oh, oh thank you. you. Yeah, and, and she thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
which which song would you say is closest to your heart that you've written, or maybe even one that you so, didn't? Yeah, so yeah, so um, you know, I, I no, I've written all of them. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. "Fool for You" um, is is you know it, that definitely deals directly with my feelings for my wife, um, and you know it's a very endearing song. Um, Better than yeah. a love song, which has been re- recently released, uh, which released a little while ago this year. Um, you know, it's a song. You know, we were sitting. I was writing with my buddy Steve Freeman, and we were sitting there, and we're just, you know, you know, with a, another friend of ours, and and we're like, well, what are we going to write about? <laughs> and and so, uh, it, you know, I have just been so inspired by wanting to honor my wife that we came up with the song "Better Than a Love Song," and um, you know, it, it basically makes references to like all sorts of famous songs and why we're better than a love song. And it's just that, that funny sort of country, you know, on double entendre that you get um, in country music. And I just, I really enjoy that. And I mean, I don't know. I'm passionate about all my songs. I really, I can just go on and on and explain, <laughs> well, you know, why. Please do. Go Please on. Do. Go on. <laughs> well, well, and, well, and what, what recently was released was American Way. And that was a song mm-hmm. that basically, that was, that was inspired by the way I grew up in a very small town. Uh, it's actually up on the Oregon coast, Tillamook, Oregon. And, and you wouldn't think, you know, because it's, you know, up in the Northwest that, you know, it's, you know, you, people listen to country music that the way they do, but they really do. And I grew up on country music and we literally would circle up our trucks and we would like whoever had the best stereo system, we put the bonfire in between all the trucks, and and that's how we hung out on the weekends because there was literally nothing to do in the whole the whole town, um, especially for high schoolers. Other than you know obviously sports, but there was no I mean, we were very landlocked in so to speak. Even though we were by the ocean, there was we were sixty miles from over a mountain pass to Portland, and sixty miles to Newport Beach, which probably was the next biggest town. Um, and, and so it's just it's all farming there, you know, and it was just how I grew up and. And I, I've really just, as I've gotten older, you know, I just realized that that's kind of the lifestyle I wanted again. And I decided to move to Utah because it was an easier commute, not because I have family here. It was an easy commute for me in and out of Los Angeles. I could have the space. I could look at the mountains. And I honestly, a big part of it was me wanting to write music again, and I could not get that inspiration living in Los Angeles. It just wasn't happening from the kind of music that I write. And... And so I, 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 we, my wife supported the move, you know, 100%. And we made the move, and um, I have slowly been chipping away at, at the songs that I, I and the things that I've wanted to say. Um, and so American Way that came out on July 4th, and um, I'm real proud of that song too. It's a little more um, uh, traditional in the country sense, but all my songs have a pretty good backbone. Other than Fool for You, everything has a pretty good guitar in it. Um, and so it keeps it a little rocking. It's not, I'd call it more Americana than I would call it country music, but it's mm-hmm. country music. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. You can hear the rock in it, uh, the inspiration. And, and really, these days, the music that we listen to can be crossed over to different genres. So I don't think there's really a specific, specific genre these days, if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at like Taylor Swift. I mean, she has just conquered, you know, you know, and dominated. And, and it's been happening for a long time, obviously. Mm-hmm. A lot of crossover songs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she has been able to, you know, show the world that, you know, she can, you know, do all these things. And that's the idea, I think, especially with 
you know, we talk about media and the platforms and, you know, social media, and, you know, and how we view content these days or how we're even listening to this broadcast right now. Times have really, you know, changed, and, and so has how music has come out, obviously. As we know, we don't go to the record store anymore and we don't go purchase albums. We go to uh, iTunes or we listen to it streaming or however we get our content that way now. So, you know, I mean, it really can break all those platforms. And I think that's what's really exciting about music, especially being an indie artist these days. Exactly, exactly. And and with it not putting you into a box, so to speak, and say you're just country music, um, this way it gets you even more fans that wouldn't necessarily listen to just country music. Right. Well, you know, like the that song Fool for You that's had all this great success already, you know, it's on easy listening stations on Spotify. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from country stations, it's on all different kinds of um, radio stations. So it definitely yeah. does cross those platforms. Which Except is always a good thing. Always a g- <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, um, is there somebody, like, who is your inspiration, would you say, in whatever music? You said country music is well, what you grew up with, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean I've, got, I've got so many great inspirations over the years. I mean, I love everything from, from rockabilly, so like, you know, Johnny Cash, and, you know, I love that Northern California Merle Haggard sound, and Waylon Jennings being one of my all-time heroes. Um, and then I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about country music specifically, you know, I, I love listening to Eric Church, uh, Jamie Johnson, uh, Margot Price, you know, this new sort of alternative country sound that's coming out of Austin right now. I'm really digging all that. But I mean, if we talk about, you know, more of the Americana stuff, I love like John Mellencamp and Tom Petty and, you know, these guys, they really have inspired me with, you know, their message and how they write their music. Um, and if I could just somehow channel some of them, you know, from time to time, then you know I'm definitely onto something. Uh, you are, you are, you've just, you've definitely channeled them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> give yourself a good pat on the back one for that one. Well, thank you. <laughs> now, one big question I have is where does that country accent come from when you're singing? Because that's not how you sound when you talk. <laughs> Well, when, when I well when I'm at, I mean, I guess probably I'm a little more slack job when I'm at home, you know, a little more laid back. Um, but you know, when I'm acting, of course, you know, and a lot of people have seen me just act over the years. You know, you you have to make sure that your dialect is, you know, uh, an actor's dialect, something that's clear, and you're pronunciating your words. I mean, you're very limiting yourself. I mean, aside from Matthew McConaughey, of course. <laughs> uh, you limit yourself when, when when you can only do the same thing, uh, and so it's definitely uh, it's it's just always been there. I mean, I grew up bull riding with my brother. We grew up on a huge ranch, um, and we I mean we would go when I was in high school. We would just go ride jackpot rides and you know take home money on the weekends rodeoing. And it, you know, I, I don't really call it a southern accent or something like that. I call it more of like a, a it's more of just like a uh, old west draw versus a, a south southern draw. You know, it's oh, okay. just a normal. You know, right, here right. in Utah, they they have a lot of it here in Utah. I realize too, they sound a lot like the folks I I grew up back with back home. 
Really? And it's it's so funny that you say that because it's not something that I can picture from Utah. You know, if you, if you would have said anywhere, of course, down south or even up the east coast or the lower, you know, Midwest or something, even I'll in my you, state, I'll tell you something. I see more cowboy hats in Utah, Wyoming, uh, New Mexico than you'll ever see uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. You, it's just, wow. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. the cowboy still yeah. lives in this area. And that's kind of what I, I, I really enjoy this. It's just that it's it's the uh, you know obviously time has progressed a lot, but I mean you still got these old farmers and these old old guys out there you know you know kicking you know kicking their boots up and it's just it's just it's nice it's nice to see and it's again how I grew up and so it's very it's very refreshing. I have to share a short story with you. Um, my oldest son went to. Um, it's called Lincoln's Challenge, and it's in southern Illinois, and it's run by the Army. And uh, it's for kids that were going to kind of get in trouble, so you want to stop it before it gets there. And uh, he deals with severe ADHD, and at one point he quit mm. taking his medication as a young teenager. And, you know, problems started because uh, as an ADHD person without medication, they're extremely impulsive and they don't think of consequence. So he didn't do anything majorly wrong, and that's why I was able to get him into this place. And um, when he came back, I, <laughs> I swear, <laughs> from being in southern Illinois for six months, he came back saying y'all and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't take long. <laughs> it does not take long. It's like, what the heck happened to my son? I still tease him about it because 15 years later or 20 years later, whatever it is, he still says it, and he still brings out that mm-hmm. accent every now and again, and I, I laugh and tease him. He's like, I don't sound mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how do you decide which song you want to release next? Well, I mean, it was not, you know, it's just not my, my decision. You know, I bounced it off other musician friends. I, you know, as an indie, indie artist, I get to make those decisions. This is really great. I mean, obviously, I don't have the million-dollar campaign behind me, which, you know, I think would definitely, you know, get my music out there. But I also kind of wanted to seep out there organically. I'm not trying to, again, be, that's, this is not my only dream is to, you know, be on stage. I, I enjoy it more than anything. But, um you know, I, I bounced off my friends, you know, and my you know, my good friend Steve Freeman and I, we wrote three songs together, or actually four now. Um, we have one, it's a title track for one of the films that I just shot. It's a, it takes place in the desert in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so we wrote this really cool spaghetti western sort of, you know, very sort of Quentin Tarantino style, you know, his, you know, films. You always kind of get those kind of, you know, those eerie would be like a little bit of True Detective if you ever saw that show. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really cool song, but uh, but I bounced it off of them. I bounced it off my friends, and you know that's how we kind of come up. I go, what do you think? You know, should we release this one? And you know, we we did better than a love song first, and I just wanted to test the waters. And I didn't think anybody was, you know, that, and I wanted to do them singles on intentionally because 
if I would have just sent, you know, just said, oh, here's my album, people would have been like, what? Where did this come from? What the yeah. heck? So, <laughs> so I wanted to systematically release singles, and we discussed which singles we wanted to be released. Um, and, and that way we kind of get the attention slowly and, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to shove it down people's throat and, you know, the whole thing, excuse me, all at one time. And, um, so, we, you know, we, uh, we made that decision together. It's, it, you know, I, I, I'm very thankful to have great guys that are involved in the, the producing, producing world. You know, that's, it's so good that you do it that way. Because, I mean, think back to the days when you did go into a record store and buy an album because you loved one song that you heard on the radio. And then you get the album, and it didn't happen often, but every now and again, you get the album, and you're like, what's this other stuff on here? You know? Right. <laughs> 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 Flock of seagulls. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so, you know, well, there goes 12, 12 bucks. but i do have to say i do miss the album days as far as getting an actual uh vinyl because it told a story um as you know with the cover and the inside and you'd read all the things that were on there and and you always look forward to the artwork or whatever maybe that's just me but I kind of no, I I, I, agree. I can't can't agree more. Uh, you know the vinyl is awesome. You know Jack White of the you know White Stripes and he's got all like four or five different bands. He has a vinyl pressing uh, warehouse or you know whatever you want to call it, yeah, right in Nashville, Tennessee. And and he brought it. I mean he was like one of the the main guys that started bringing vinyl back. So if, you know, you go to concerts today and if they're kind of a cool band, you know, somebody's not trying to be super 100% mainstream, or even if they are, vinyl is readily available. And it's not even that expensive to get it done these days. So, right. you know, I say bring I, I say bring back the record player. I love that sound. And, Definitely. You know, it's, There's it, nothing I, like it. Even with the scratches nothing. and everything you end up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the character of the, you know, right? your own unique album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally the jump agree. of the needle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, I love it. Now, you mentioned you currently just finished a film or are filming a new movie. Is there anything you can share with us about it? Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually finished three films in the last three months. Oh my so gosh. I've been Oh. I've been very busy, and you know this uh, the format for a lot of these, um, you know, on the lower budget ends, you know, but they're they're movies that are coming out for sure. Um, you know, they're they're thirteen to fifteen days, maybe three weeks, and they shoot the whole thing, which is actually a real luxury for me coming from daytime where we would shoot forty five, sixty pages a day. I'm maybe shooting eight pages a day. Um. So it actually isn't that fast. It's very ambitious for a film, but, you know, most of the, you know, there's a lot of films that you see these days on Netflix, Netflix originals. Mm-hmm. They're shot in that, in that same format. Right. So, oh, sorry. So about the film, sorry, I, I kind of skewed from there. Yeah, okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right, a cowboy. Kansas sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, the film that I just finished is called They Call Him Angel, and it's with this um, 
kid that's starring in it, his name is Ricky Garcia. Uh, he's been on the Disney Channel for several years. And he's also in a band himself, a boy band. He's 19 years old. Kid's got like a million followers on social media. He's like, he's going to be, I mean, he looks kind of like a young Leo DiCaprio. He's well on his way. Um, so I was really thankful to work with him because, you know, he's you know just a cool kid in general. He had a great attitude and, you know, super professional. And we were doing a really edgy, we're doing, we, we finished a really edgy film. It's, it's not rated R, but the content and what it's about is a, is, is a little bit heavy. And, and so it kind of has this uh, superhero meets religious meets um, uh, the underbelly corruption of Los Angeles. It's really a really cool, unique script. Um, I keep, you know, thinking that it's very, if you were confused two movies together, it's like The Crow meets Training Day. Oh, good. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that works. So that was, yeah. <laughs> and the one that I just finished before is scheduled to come out February 1st, 2019. And it's probably going to be in multiple areas, but I'm pretty sure it's going to end up on Lifetime. So, you know, check that out. It's beautifully done. The quality, I, the director, Tom Shell, he's absolutely amazing. The producer, Chris Lancey, these guys just really know their stuff. And we did, we did, you know, stuff on yachts, we did stuff in, you know, multiple different locations and houses and cars, drone shots. I mean, it's it's a really pretty pretty film. Uh, and I worked with this great uh, actress. Her name is Krista B. Allen. Krista, oh, yeah, uh, I know best, who she is. Best mm-hmm. known, yeah, for 13 going on 30. She played the young Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, she, yeah, and uh, she was in the show Revenge, uh, but yeah. amongst a ton of other stuff. So she plays my wife in this movie, and it's a really good little film. And then for soap fans out there, the one that I just finished before that, Deadly Desert Vacation, was with Alexa Havens. You might know her as Babe from uh, All My My Children. So Babe and JR make a reunion um, Mm. without being Babe and JR. So that's going to be a really interesting one that comes out. What's that called? You have to come back on when it when it's premiering. <laughs> well, this one will definitely be on on life. This will be on Lifetime as well, but this one's called Deadly Desert Vacation. Okay. You know these Lifetime titles are are you know they're hilarious, but they're really right. on point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But they're so good. They're really good and they're just yes, they are. <laughs> Take it from me. I'll tell you, I watch all the Lifetime movies, and I watch all the Hallmark movies, and, you know, so we just love that kind of thing. You know, they may be cheesy, and you may know what the whole movie's about by the title, but we don't care. We watch them anyhow. (laughs) 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 Well, I've been tuning a few of them. I have definitely been tuning in myself, and, you know, I've, I've seen some, obviously, over the years, but. I've definitely become more aware. I'm like, oh, no, mine's going to be much better than that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the soap business, um, <laughs> my next question and my last question before before I release my crew on you um, <laughs> is <laughs> – the Bold and the Beautiful, um, you're now on recurring status, and obviously you've been extremely busy since then. We miss you, though, on there. 
Will we be seeing you in the near future, or do you think you're going to still have time off to keep doing what you want to do? Because I know people always have other things they want to do besides being on a soap or on a TV show well, of or course. something like that. You know, I have such admiration for daytime television. You know, it was my, it's been my entire career since I was 17. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, the bold and the beautiful, um, you know, we, we were able to tell a couple of good stories while I was there. You know, one of course being the Maya and, uh, and Rick story, but I also enjoyed very much Rick and Caroline. We had a really mm-hmm. great time doing that, that story as well. Um, but as you know, these shows go, especially when you're dealing with such a small uh, amount of time in a half hour format, there's just really, there's just really not enough story to go around for everybody. And, right. you know, there's, there's stories that keep getting recycled and completely to oh. be honest, um, I feel like it was a blessing because I, you know, I just felt like all the stories they're telling have just been repeated and repeated and repeated. And we've been just so overly saturated with the same material that it's oh, just not challenging for me as an actor. And it becomes like a job versus something that I'm really enjoying doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I kind of started losing that spark. And so I guess it was probably just the right time. Timing is, I guess, of essence. And I don't know. It's uh, maybe it's fate. Maybe it's not, but I do, you know, if they, if they want need to use me, I will be there for them. And that's the, you know, that's a given. Because you know, I have a lot of admiration for Brad Bell and the, the Bold and the Beautiful family. Of course, it's going to be, depend on whether or not I'm available at the time. I'm, exactly. You know, I'm in talks right now with with major studios, um, along with you know multiple producers, different films. Uh, you know, it seems like my life is starting to take uh, a, a separate course. And I honestly, I love playing different characters all the time. It's, right. It really is satisfying. I can really delve into it. Like this last one I just played, Mr. Jones, if that's his name in the movie. You know, he's, you know, he's a pretty dark dude. And, you know, it yeah. was interesting to really delve into something that wasn't daytime and not being um, bridled, so to speak, and getting, getting you, know, you know, reins put on me. And they're like, oh, that's too much. That's too much. You can't go that far. This is daytime. You know, I've got producers and directors saying, no, go there. Go there. Do that. You know, it's like putting on a scuba gear. You know, I, I I can go a lot deeper. Yeah, and and it has to keep your interest. You don't just do it for the money. It has to keep your interest. Otherwise, you better move on to a different job. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that I haven't been challenged in stories. Like I love playing, you know, Jr. on All My Children, and I got to work with the fabulous David Canary for so many years, and he taught me so much. I mean, just. You know, I mean, I already was, you know, I, I guess, a, you know, if you're going to be in that and competitive in that industry, you have to definitely have an air of, you know, of professionalism, you know, without a doubt. Otherwise, you're not going to last. But that man showed up every single day, knew his material in and out, and delivered it 110% every single time. And yeah. it was just a, it was just amazing to watch and, and learn from a master that way. So I mean I and I and there was always something new to be told on on all my children that I really enjoyed. Um again, you know, Bold and the Beautiful being a different kind of show, it is. You know, they they you know, they can only squeeze in 16 17 minutes at the most of material between commercials. So 
stories have to be, they have to move along at a pretty good clip. So there's never really time to delve into a real story. It's just always just kind of like you have a three or four day, something that's going to happen, or maybe it's two weeks at the very most. And then it's all resolved by that time. And, and I just don't like that because I feel, I I feel like, you know, there's so much more story to be told just like with uh, Rick and Maya. There's a lot of story there. I mean, but they just didn't go there. There was that opportunity with Nicole. I mean, I, I was like, she shouldn't want to have to give up the baby. You know, this is, I mean, that's yeah. what, a, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, surrogates would do. They'd be like, all of a sudden she's feeling like she wants to hold on to the baby. She should have said no. And, yeah. and, and you know, and, and that would have just put it right on a whole other layer to, to that particular story. But they were so afraid to go there. Oh, no. You Hallelujah. Like Look, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let me ask you, do you guys, would, would you like to see that? I would. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. I, I had a whole story like outline because, you know, Bold and Beautiful is set in real time. This is not like a Pine Valley. This is real Los Angeles. The Foresters are a part of a fashion industry. For it to, for Maya to be a transgender, you know, there could have been such like, you know, buyers or, you know, customers that had a backlash and you could have done yeah. that. Or there was yeah. a story, you know, you know, with Nicole having to, you know, when, you know, Rick and Maya had asked Nicole again to be a surrogate. I was kind of like, okay, wait a minute, hold up, time out. Yeah. Why don't they do an adoption? When I read that, too, I said the same thing. The same exact thing. You can't think of something else. Exactly. <laughs> like you and, I mean, I give credit to the writers, because I understand the writers have to come up with, you know, new material. Yeah, like you said, recycle, you know, this genre has been around where, yeah, what goes around comes around. It's the same old, same old. But with this transgender storyline, I was thinking, I was like, okay, let's be real here. Why can't Rick and Maya go to an adoption agency? That's a story right there. Because what if the social worker is like, okay, you know, Rick is, you know, from a wealthy family. Oh, Maya. Um, Yeah. hmm, That could have been a real story that, because I always say when, when soaps tell social stories, it connects. Just like with a transgender, yeah. like, it connects uh-huh. with so many people. Yes. And I'm just feeling so that is something that is really missing in the soap genre right now is that you need to have a story that connects with your audience. I could care less about a triangle, to be honest. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm and like, okay, over and over again. They yeah, should have and had it so into a who's your daddy story, a baby storyline. It's like, who's the daddy of this baby? I don't know. We did it two years ago. I don't know. <laughs> they should have had Rick go dark and buy her a baby and then have all the fallout from that. And yeah. That would have been oh, such mean, interesting I mean, story I mean, to tell. The stories, the stories are endless. I wrote a story. Um, you know, I mean, you know, and, and I, you know, look, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a writer. I am in a sense because I've been doing this for 21 years and I've had to write things in a, a, you know, really quickly just to make things work because maybe another actor is going, I don't get it. I can't work. Like this is not working for me. So we always are kind of rewriting stuff. So I wrote a story because I knew that, um, you know, that uh, Carla Mosley was going to be taking a hiatus because of her pregnancy and Mm -hmm. awesome. So, so, so ecstatic for her. But I was like, well, where does that leave Rick? Well, we have to come up with a really, you know, intense story. And, you know, the whole Me Too movement and all the stuff that was happening in Hollywood since we are based in Los Angeles, you know, as a show. Oh, my yep. God, yes. As a, as, yes. So, and, and so, so nobody is not susceptible to this, obviously. 
And so I had written this beautiful story where Rick was totally, you know, you know, called out that he had done something of a sexual harassment. And then Eric and like Ridge are like, "We're sorry, our hands are tied. You know, you're gonna have to, you're, you're gonna have to go do something." And I'm like, "Why would this girl do this to me? You know, what, you know, how, what have I done to her? I never did anything." And, and you know, and so I have to confront her, and I find out that she's been sexually harassed her whole life, and she feels like she wanted to get back. And so Rick makes the mo to like make things right for her and make sure that, you know, she has a healthy working environment. You know, stuff that Bold and the Beautiful, you know, does, but, you know, on a minor, you know, minor scale sometimes. You know, they just are, are not – they're so afraid to touch these stuff. And I told, I told Brad, I said, well, if you guys don't do it, another show is going to do it. And, uh, yeah. and he's like, yeah, well, it's just not, you know, it's just, you know, not something that you know, CBS is going to go for. And I, I was like, I don't believe that. You know, I, I truly hey. believe that that would have been a, a very valuable story. Yeah, so we would definitely. General Hospital is doing it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, at the same time, like you said, like you said, like it's real, like Bowling Beautiful, all of the four soaps is set in real time, real life. You know, it's Los Angeles. You have so much going on with the fashion industry. You have, you know, obviously the eating disorders, like you said, a Me Too, Me Too going on. You could have had, you know, obviously we just talked about the Rick and Maya storyline. And not only that, but there was, you know, a couple of people on social media that had said, why doesn't Rick go after being CEO? Like, what if he, you know, what if there's some blackmail, some financial, you know, stuff going on, you know, how other businesses does it. And and you're right. There is so much more to, there's more story to be told for characters than just the same old, same old. And I think in this yeah. genre, it's, it's, it's the format. Now, it's just like, yeah, it's like, okay, how come Primetime can do it? How come shows on, you know, Amazon and Netflix and, and whatnot? And I don't buy that either, that the network is like, oh, I don't think they can, you know, we can do that. The, the soap used to do scandal. They used to do scandal back in the day. Sure, we saw somebody's butt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, you know, they had abortions and stuff like that. So I don't understand. I feel as though, and this is just my opinion, I feel as though the genre has become a wimp. Like, it is really to a point where they're in a little box and they're afraid. And I'm just like, why are you afraid? And I get it, money, they're afraid to lose sponsors and viewers. Yeah, but you know what, real quick? You have to take a gamble. The best gamble for them would be their position with CBS All Access to do Bold and Beautiful After Dark doing hours worth of content once a week based upon storylines that they can show PG during the day and ramp it up real good with once a week episode an hour long on CBS All Access. Or how about, I mean, it could be if CBS didn't want to do it and Brad Bell, you know, he, you know, he does own the show. He could easily sure. find another format in order to, you know, another Amazon or some some of these other channels to keep up with, you know, the content that's available for consumers today. And that's something that, you know, I, I wasn't really going to get into, but that is so true. Amazon, Apple, all these stations, Netflix, you know, you, you have to start realizing that everything is going to start going away, even if it's CBS All Access. You've you got you to gotta raise the stakes, and, and that's that's a really great idea. Mm-hmm. I've been blogging about it for a while. Yeah. I've been talking about it for years. 
We all agree. (laughs) And believe me, I mean, it's not going to get us to stop watching. You know, we're dedicated soap fans, but it's it's harder to bring in new soap fans if you don't change it up to, you know, this century. (laughs) So yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's funny. Back when I first started, there wasn't a eighteen-year-old to thirty-year-old didn't know the show that I was on. You know what I mean? Like, that soaps mm-hmm, were yeah. that much more popular. Now you ask somebody that's 17, 18 years old, and you say, no, I'm on Bold and Beautiful. They're like, what's that? Like, they're not even no, aware exactly. that it's even a television show. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're facing, you know? And, and if, you don't, you know, if you don't modify with the times, and it's not going to be a Lee and Steffi Hope storyline that's going to save the day. Please. That's not going to work. They have they have yeah, to find yeah, another obviously. format in order yeah. to, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I, I mean, I will say this, though. Like, with Bold and Beautiful, and I always have said this, out of the four soaps, Bold and Beautiful does come through with the surprise element. Because yeah. I feel as though with oh, yeah, the genre, they, they have lost that. You know, it's like a shock or cliffhanger Friday, you know, or, you know, with the Maya storyline, nobody saw that coming. Nobody. And it was Nobody. one of those storylines that people, I remember because it was on a Wednesday because Thursday and Friday was the um, college basketball. So yeah. it was the cliffhanger. It was like, oh, my gosh. And people was on social media, and they were like, what just happened on Bone and the Beautiful? Even people who did watch Bone and the Beautiful, they was like, what do you mean what happened on Bone and the Beautiful? And people tuned in. And I like how, they, how it was market. You know, it was on the news, on CNN. I mean, it was on News like my local news here in Baltimore even was talking about it, and people yeah, were like, I mean, oh, it, it was a story that had never been done. It had never been told, pretty much in television. Period. So I mean, I, I definitely take a great amount of pride in being a part of that story, and I believe, you know, I, I'm happy that they gave me, you know, I'm, uh, you know, they gave me their confidence that I could execute that storyline because I, I initially had my concerns. My concerns were, like, what if you think it's not working? And now suddenly we're stuck. What are you going to do? And you're going to cheapen out to the fans. Yeah, yes. And cheapen out to the fans that were hanging on it and waiting for that story to be told. Yes. And and so that, and they're like, well, we don't know what the future is going to hold. And and so I said, well, we, you know, we definitely need to, you know, have a, a better education before we start telling the storyline. And I, I said, from the producers down, we, we you know, I want to know what's, you know, politically correct for me to say or not to say. I mean, because, I mean, I was in a, a gray area with transgender for myself. You know, I had tons of gay, lesbian friends, bisexuals, you know, whatever. But I, I have not really known a lot of transgenders. So I was like, well, I want to know what's PC and I want to be educated. And, and they were like, oh, well, that's a good idea. So they brought the president uh, in, in to give us a nice, you know, like, basic, you know, conference to, so everybody was on the same page and knew the story they were going to tell me because I didn't want to be making changes at the last minute because, you know, the heads of CBS are calling down and said, oh, well, you can't say that. So, you know, so we, so we, we educated ourselves and, and we prepared ourselves and we were able to follow through and execute it. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy, but I wish that they would have gone a, even a little bit further with the story. And, um, and I, you know, I, I feel like they felt like they, they had run its course. And and I hate that when I when I know that there's so much more story to be told. Mm-hmm. Woo. Well, wow. Candace, <laughs> did, did you have any other questions before we 
move on to uh, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much talked about David um, a few minutes ago, but you had the best group of iconic soap dads, John McCook, Tony <laughs> Gary, and, of course, David Canary. I mean, that right there, have you followed this? Um, you mentioned David, but what other lessons did John or Tony or even David, if, if he gave you more advice um, about life or about, you know, soap in general, like what have you really taken in that these three men have taught you? Well, you know, um, yeah, that is a good question. You know, and, and there's like three specific stories that that uh, that, that that come to mind, uh, and I, and I probably have said these before, but you know, it's been so long. Uh, but specifically, you know, when I first started, I was 17. I was barely out of high school, and you know, I I I've suddenly you know thrust in front of cameras, and and, you know, media and people wanting to do interviews. And I, mean, I just, you know, I, I was taken aback. And I remember when the first soap opera magazine, I think it was Soap, soap, soap Digest, uh, there was an article that had come out about me being cast, and it was a, like a one-page interview. And I was just so, I was falling over. I couldn't believe it. And I, I, I went into John McCook, and, and I was like, I can't believe this. They put me in this magazine. And he just started laughing and laughing. And and he just said, you know, that's that's just the beginning, you know, just just the beginning, and and you know he's always been like a father figure to where it's like he's like, whoa, you know, take it easy, you know, he definitely he definitely got my feet wet so to speak, and and really made me understand so much. I mean, so much about technical, you know, standing on my mark, making sure I I wasn't out to be an actor. I mean, that's I mean that's the truth. I was out. I was just trying to maybe. I was getting ready to go to college, and I wasn't even studying acting. I was trying to make a little extra money in commercials, if anything, and I ended up booking this television show. And um, so I had to learn from, you know, from the very beginning at 17, like how to hit my mark, what camera I'm on, where's my lighting, um, what's my eye line, you know, just, you know, endless. And and John was always there. He was always there to teach me that. So I'm forever forever grateful for that. Uh, when I was cast as Lucky Spencer on General Hospital, neither Tony nor uh, Jeannie Francis had wanted anything to do with the recast. Um, in fact, they both threatened <laughs> they both had threatened so, uh, to quit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 that's kind of like me going into that. That's what I. But I had a screen test, you know, with Tony, and Tony said, "Well, if you are going to recast someone, I want to be the one to choose who it is." And so they narrowed it down. And I was the very first one to go up. There was, I think, seven or eight guys that were screen testing for Lucky Spencer. And all guys that I knew, like, these guys were all known in soaps or they were, you know, in TV or film. And, uh, and Tony, um, you know, Tony, he liked me. You know, he liked, he liked, you know, what I had done out there. And he had, he had basically chose me. Um, and so then the, you know, the day comes and I, I first get on set and I'm there with Jeannie and Tony and Jeannie shows up late because she didn't want to work with me. Um, and, and basically Tony, like, you know, they both had like an argument about me being on set there, right there. And, you know, and I just, I couldn't get my lines out. I actually started like crying because I felt like I wasn't welcome. And uh, Tony grabs a hold of me and he grabs me by the shirt and he goes, Hey, listen to me. Listen to me, kid. Sometimes mom and dad fight. 
<laughs> and that's and that stuck with me forever. And then he pulled me aside. He goes, "All you gotta do is drop one tear at the genie, and she's yours." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And, and the next scene that I had, you know, it was a very emotional scene because Lucky had just returned. And after that, Jeannie and I, we became, we're still great friends. I mean, it, it was never about me personally. It was about the fact they had just become so, had such an affinity for Jonathan Jackson. And, you know, he had been their child, literally, you know, on screen since he was a, a small child, just a kid, you know. And and it was, a, it was a coveted role, and it was a hard role to replace. Everybody said I couldn't do it. There was no way I would could do it. And I started feeling like I couldn't do it. Um, but that year, you know, it really uh, – it, it was a great year for me. It was a year to shine, and it was mm-hmm. the year that I won the Emmy for General Hospital. And mm-hmm. it kind of like, you know, I think a lot of the viewers were like, oh, well, I guess he can do it. Um, but, you know, I get it. Replacing a character is always tricky. You know, I, I always, I've always felt that way. Uh, you have to bring your own to it, but people also want to remember what they liked about the character before. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hello? I <laughs> there was, yeah, there's, there's still, right, wait, there's uh, the, uh, Adam, uh, 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 David Canary, of course. And uh, David Canary, I mean, we basically just, we just had heart-to-heart talks, Um and, you know, he just reminded me a lot of my older self, if that is possible. Uh, we really related on almost everything. And I found out his birthday was only a couple of days away from mine, which was really interesting. I, was, I just was like, well, maybe that's the reason we're supposed, you know, we, we get along so well. But um, the more that I brought, the more he brought, and vice versa. Every, every scene we did, and it was just, He's just an amazing person to work with, and I really felt like I really garnered, garn, you know, garnered my sea legs finally, you know, in daytime with that run with with David Canary. He really, he, you know, it just really molded me into the actor that I was, you know. And not to mention, I was able to do Broadway while I was living in New York, which, you know, doing two mediums simultaneously, uh, you really, you really challenge yourself, and it was a, it was a great privilege to to work on Broadway. Yeah. Well, New York. Miss Miss New York, so I'll find that out there. And my second question is, Jacob, you can go back in time to 1999 and meet the soap newcomer, Jacob Young, before his first air date on Bone the Beautiful. What advice would you give him about the minutes that you know now? Don't do it. No, I mean, you know, honestly, you know, I just, you know, I I mean, I never, you know, I was never that kind of person that let any of it get to my head. But that's the one thing, you know, I've seen so many young actors do. You know, they get on these shows, they're so thankful, they're so happy, they're so innocent. And a year later, they, like, start making demands. And and I just just feel like, you know, you know, Without knowing myself, that's what I would not know, what I would automatically say because that's what I'd say to any youngster to say. I'd say, stay in class, study, but don't let it get away from you. This is, you know, the, the moment you let that happen, the moment your career is over. Um, you know, you, you know, people want to be able to talk about people that are really nice and really professional and enjoyable that that aren't, you know, hunched over in a corner and won't talk to anybody because they got to stay in character. Um, it's, you know, it's not that difficult. 
it, it is difficult, obviously, but it, but it, but it's not that difficult if you're a professional. And just, you know, just you know, I'd say just keep your wits about you, and you know, don't listen to the naysayers, and and just go about your way. Yeah, that's good advice to have for everything. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank yep. you, Candace, for your question. Anthony, go. you're up next. Well, hey, Jacob, Anthony from Staten Island. Um, Anthony, <laughs> I. I just want to comment real quick, um, two quick comments before I ask my questions. The first time I heard Better Than a Love Song, I thought to myself, John Cusack in the boombox. And my second comment, since you answered <laughs> one of my questions already in, in your, you know, beautiful dialogue, my second comment is um, I, loved, I, I love in every single character that you've played so far on the soaps, the vulnerability aspect. They don't give a lot of vulnerability to men. Women do it really well. And the men, it kind of, you know, it gets lost real quick, especially, the, you know, the lucky character with Tyler Christopher, the two of you, and those vulnerable moments were just phenomenal. With Rebecca Harrison, too, when you were going through those things. But you play vulnerability so well, and it's, it's so refreshing to see. Um, well, my first question, you know, I mean, was about Broadway. Just to touch on that, you know, um, Peter Bergman, you know, he's a master of that. And, yeah. you know, I, I had always, I'd, even when I was on Bold and Beautiful in 1997, you know, Peter was just across the hall always, as he'd always been. And, well, other than when he was on All My Children, of course. But he, that's the only Peter that I had known was him over at Young and the Restless. And, you know, he played vulnerability so beautifully. And I knew that that was inside of me to be able to do. And I wanted to ensure that I, I was able to do that. And, you know, Bold and Beautiful, you know, they don't really want their men to do it. They want their men to be men. Um, but, you know, I say real men cry. And, you know, mm-hmm. people are, you know, people feel sad and they get sad. And if you're sad and, and, and if you're so compelled to, you know, let it go, then let it go. Um, and, and thank you. I really do appreciate that. I, I was hooked on the edge of my seat for months between, you know, the Liz storyline and, the, you know, you guys becoming brothers, um, you know, character-wise. The vulnerability was yeah. just so good, so good. Um, my first question was about Broadway, and you kind of touched on it. I mean, is there anything else you kind of want to give our fans about doing eight performances a week and shooting a soap? <laughs> it was, um, you know, initially I was like, yeah, no problem. I can totally handle it. And then, the, you know, the day came where I'm trying on the Lumiere costume, and it was just so cumbersome. It's so hard to maneuver in, and all this dance training that I was getting, you know, for the role, you know, when I was training, I didn't have the costume on. And then they were like, well, we're going to do a put-in, and then you're on tomorrow. And it, it was the first time I got to, I was wearing the costume, so I step out on stage, and I'm doing this, you know, put-in the rehearsal with the cast. And I was like, I, I turned to the, the managing producer, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And, um, you know, eventually I got more comfortable with the costume, of course, and it worked out brilliantly. It was a, you know, it was a, a really great run, you know, for, Bold, or for Beauty and the Beast. In fact, I think they were sitting somewhere around 11 in the ratings as far as Broadway shows to see. And we had managed to bring it up to, like, number five with yeah. me coming into the show. And it was a great experience. But doing both at the same time was, you know, like going to a war, <laughs> I mean, it was just so exhausting and so, you know, uh, but 
I mean, I remember coming in and I was doing, I think it was a courtroom scene, and I was, of course, JR was probably wanted or, you know, being accused of, you know, attempted murder or something like that with Babe. And I remember that I didn't have a lot of dialogue that day. And one of the, the, the directors, Connell O'Brien, lovely man, one of my favorite people in the world, he looked at me and goes, no, no, it's okay. Just put your head down. You know, you just rest. <laughs> uh-huh. so I, I was, you know, I was doing seven episodes of All My Children, and I was doing eight shows on Broadway. And it was, it was crazy. It was a crazy schedule, but I'm so glad I challenged myself to do that because after I, after I did that, I was like, I can do anything. I can work in any medium. I can withstand 12-hour, 15-hour days, whatever. Definitely. Yeah. From someone who saw it twice, you were simply luminescent. It was phenomenal. I saw it with Tony Braxton. I saw it with Debbie Gibson. I saw it with you. You were just simply luminescent. Uh, My other question. Thank you. I'm the fanniest of of the hosts here. Um, I'm a big, huge event person. I did Super Soap four years in a row. Um, Can you give us Mm -hmm. your funnest, best, most outstanding memory of a fan event, you know, something that will, you know, your anecdote for Johnny Carson, so to speak. Um, my anecdote. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know exactly about that, but I mean, but you know, those were great days, the super soap festivals, you know, down at Disney, the amount of fans, the amount of support that was there, you know, just that alone, you know, it wasn't about a few years later, they were trying to, they tried to cancel all my children. They were talking about it. And, and I'm going, wait a minute, we got how many thousands of people that are showing up? Hundreds of thousands of people that are showing up to these events. You're telling me that they want to take this show off the air. Um, but yeah, but I mean, those, I mean, I mean, they're unforgettable. They were unforgettable. I, I remember, you know, uh, you know, man, I, I think I was on General Hospital at the time. It was my, probably my first one there. And I was so exhausted. And I was just, you know, from all the events, I was like, wow, we're really just doing this thing all day long in this 90-degree weather. And I'm sitting there, and I remember Kelly, uh, Kelly Ripa was, you know, behind me, and she just started massaging my shoulders. And, like, she's like, it's all right, kid. You're going to get through this. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, but it, but it, but it, but those were those that was that was great because you know we we were able to really connect with our fans in, a, in such a great way instead of just being like say a an annual fan event it was it was the energy was amazing. Yeah, you were always great. You were one of the ones that came out and partied with us in the audience and and showed up at Pleasure oh, yeah. Island. And it was yeah yeah and those days will never be recreated. They were phenomenal. No. Thank well, you. Thanks. Thank you, Anthony. And next up is David, and then we have Carolyn, and then we'll be all done. Um, can you still stick around to answer a few more questions? Or Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm here. I mean, I'm not moving because my okay. leg, so. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Okay. Just wor- worried about the time. That's all. I don't want to. No, we're good. It's all good. Okay, good. David, go ahead. Hey, hey Jacob. Speaking of guys who cry. I've been known to do that. (laughs) That's me. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, go back. When last we left all my children on ABC, JR was left brandishing a gun. So barring what Prospect Park had done, how would you like to 
how would you have liked to have JR's turnout? Uh, well, you know, I didn't watch the Prospect Park, um, you know, uh, because I knew that they were going to take their own spin on it, and it wasn't going to be exactly the story that I would have told. But, um, you know, I think, you know, if the show would have ended and they would have given it a definitive, definitive ending, um, I think it would have, you know, Jr. would have shot himself. I think he, I think he would have, I think he was so so strained for so many years trying to, you know, be his father's son, trying to be everything to his dad, you know, conflicted about his mother's loss. Um, you know, the, you know, all the ups and downs of babe, you know, he just, you know, he was an un, unhappy person. And I think it would have been a very dramatic ending. I know that's probably not what the fans want to hear, but, but in my, in my eyes, that would have been, you know, the way that I would have seen this character go. I wouldn't have continued the character, and they did. And you know, of course, they aged him. And um, I think he should have, you know, had had passed away, and it would have been very controversial. Oh my God, we would still be crying right now. Yes, we would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even I would. No cry. one would be able David, to stop David me. David always cries before me. <laughs> I would have been. Got, you just couldn't hate Jr. And that's a test to the vulnerability too. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, because he had his mother's heart and his, his father's, you know, insane drive. Yeah, that's that's so true. Well, thank you, David, for your question. And Carolyn, you're up next. But I pretty much think that Jacob answered your first question. So if you want to go ahead with your second question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've co- we've covered a lot of territory. Hi, Jacob. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I'm barefoot. You. I'm barefoot blonde five from St. Petersburg, Florida. We've been tweeting. Oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Own... Are you keeping that leg up? Uh, well, I was while I was talking to you, but I, I, my wife put a little snack pack in front of me, and so now I'm I'm kind of like over that, trying not to eat while I'm talking. But <laughs> <laughs> the, do- the doctor told me I have to. Keep, yeah, the the doctor told me I have to keep that leg that leg up. Yeah, <laughs> the circulation. Yes, yep. Yeah, very yeah. I've been important. icing it a few times a day, and uh, I take it out of the the walking cast and ice it down, and and then uh, I, I've been trying to elevate as much. But we had three children, nine, oh. that is, nine years old, um, yeah, four years old, and two. <laughs> you know, it's a little hard sometimes. Plus two dogs. It's like I have five kids. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Um, I understand that uh, you were very close friends with Jerry Lewis. That's correct. Um, would you uh, tell us how that came about? So, I mean, when I first met Jerry, uh, I was in New York, and I was just getting ready to start Beauty and the Beast. And my friend, Mark Rosano, who was the managing producer, mm-hmm. uh, who I, got to, I got to know very well during that period, he said, you know, I really want to introduce you to somebody. And I had talked about Jerry to him. And, you know, basically I was, I tell him I used to skip school so I could watch the Dialing for Dollars movie and watch Dean and Jerry. And, you know, whenever there, I knew there was going to be that one of their movies on, I, I would skip school. Um, my parents left very early in the morning and I would just call and tell them I was sick or whatever. And, and I never <laughs> missed one. 
I just I just loved it so much and uh, I loved him so much. And so he took me to the Waldorf Astoria. He said, I want to introduce you to somebody. He didn't tell me who has one of the penthouse suites up there. And, uh, wrote, you know, knocked on the door, and Jerry answered the door. And oh, my I mean, God. I just, I just about had a heart attack. I, mean, I think I even started crying. Oh. Um, and, and so, he, you know, he come, you know, you know we, we sit down, and, and I, you know, I knew that he was introducing me to him at this point now, but I didn't know specifically why. But Jerry wanted, he had specific advice he wanted to give me because Mark had talked to him about, about me. And so Jerry said, well, I want to talk to him when I went into Damn Yankees. And I want to give him some advice about what, you know, what he should be expecting from a cast that hasn't already been in the show for, you know, how many years each person had been or whatever and what I should be expecting. So the advice he gave me was, you know, it was, it was priceless. You know, I, I, I learned so much at that, at that moment with him and him talking to me, frankly. And so I was really equipped going into the show. Um, and by the end of the evening, you know, he always wore those signature Jerry Lewis slippers, you know, with the comedy yeah. tragedy masks on them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, you know, I, I just said, wow, I love those slippers. He kicked them off in a second. And he oh. goes, put them on your feet. And I said, oh. oh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. And then he said, don't make me mad. And so oh. I did, and he's like, they're yours. And I'm, so I still have them, and they're in a box, you know, like, a, like, like a treasure chest box that I keep. Um, but, but that was the beginning. And I saw Jerry, you know, four or five times a year, you know, after that, every year, you know, right up until he passed away. In fact, uh, my show at the Tropicana that I, I performed at um, – was Jerry's last show uh, that he'd ever seen. And I was the last person he'd ever seen. So I was really uh, honored that he was able to make it uh, to my show. It was, it was really wonderful. So I have a lot of admiration, not only for, you know, the businessman, the director, the producer, uh, the actor, but the human, the humanitarian, the, the wonderful person he really was. I mean, he really put himself out there with MDA, MDA and, um, uh, you know, everything he did over the years and all the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even billion dollars, billions of dollars that he'd raised for such a great cause. He's just, you know, he was a hero of mine and, uh, and forever will be. Well, I saw, I saw that you uh, also did a painting of him that was auctioned off the other day. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so How- I gave that to him. Yeah. I gave, well, I just, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm not an artist by any means in that way, but I just, you know, I do like, you know, to draw a little bit. And I, sometimes I'll get into different mediums and paints and pastels. And I was just messing around and I had heard the story about, you know, the film that he had, had never completed. And it was just, you know, it, it, it was just so heartbreaking for him. And uh, I mean, because it was heartbreaking for him because, you know, he, it was basically him telling his life that comedians are really just a sad clown. And, right. um, and, and I finally realized that now later on, of course, you know, that a lot of comedians are tragically scarred in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, the only time yeah. that they're happy is when they're in front of people on putting on a show. Right. And so that movie never got completed and there's been a lot of controversy around it because it dealt with a lot of controversy. Um, but I knew that, he'd always felt like it was part of his heart that had never been completed and healed. And 
So, you know, it was my simple way of, you know, just that gesture of, you know, you know, you know, I'm, I'm aware I'm another generation that's aware of that. And, um, and, you know, it was just, it was a simple thing. I didn't, you know, really, I wasn't even going to give it to him, but my friend was like, you know, he was like, you probably should do that. And I did. And he was so honored. He he hung it in his office. And if you see uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, writing in cars with comedians having coffee, that's on Netflix. Uh, It's a fun show. Um, Jerry's, that was his last television appearance. Uh, And that office that he's in with Jerry Seinfeld is his office in his home. And that painting was hanging in that office. So I was really honored. And of course, you know, Jerry's passing the Lewis family, you know, there's just, you know, Jerry lived in that house for years and years. So there was just so much stuff. And, you know, of course, you know, there were some things that they needed to get rid of. And I guess apparently my painting was one of them, which I was saddened by, but I can understand it was for Jerry. It wasn't for his wife, Sam or Danielle, his daughter. Um, And so, you know, but it was being auctioned off and, you know, it was a gift to him. So it never felt like it belonged to me. Otherwise, I would have bid on it, but it was not like that. It wasn't something that I was cherishing. So that's why I had mentioned that, you know, if anybody is, wants to know about this, here it is, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's up for auction at Julian's Auction in Las Vegas, and uh, please check it out. I want it to go to a good home, and I genuinely meant that. Yeah, that's what you said. You wanted it to go to a good home. Very, wow. very nice, very nice story, yeah. Wow. Thank you, Carolyn. Well, that was a great been, question. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. that gives me more insight to who you are, Jacob. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, when we do these interviews, not a lot of that will come out on the personal side. And I I have to say that you're just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a, yeah, it's been a pleasure. You're um, uh, a real down-home young man, I right. have to say. Yeah, great interview. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. And, you're and we want to thank you for joining. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Carolyn. What? And you're a Virgo, correct? Oh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> September 10th. Yeah. <laughs> September Earth 10th, time. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coming, coming up. Well, before I let you go so you can go get your munchies, would you like to give a shout-out to your fans? Yeah, um, you know, I just want to say to my fans and everybody, you know, who is listening that's out there, um, please don't feel like it's a departure that I'm leaving you, that I'm abandoning you. Um, just know that, you know, you know, you know, your desire and your heart takes you different places, and I'm still going to be relevant, and I'll be out there whether I'm doing film and I'm doing music. And I, and I, you know, I respect you as much as you guys have loved the characters that I've been able to play over the years. And I hope that you, in my heart, that you guys just stay with me and, 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 and keep, you know, uh, you know, keep encouraging me to, to, to do better and better. That, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Well, you know what, as we've told other people that have left the soap genre as a soap fan that adores you, we follow you guys wherever you go. Yeah. Yep. We do. We absolutely and do. And if, if I can say, you know, years and years and years ago at Super Soap events, you were one of the wonderful ones. And this interview, you have, you've grown, you've aged as, as a have I, but you're still sweet and wonderful. Um, I was tweeting yep. that 
earlier how sweet I remember you being, and you're just as sweet and wonderful as a man as you were as a boy. I was a boy, too, and thank you for that. I think our, our listeners are going to really, really eat this, this interview up. I do, too. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for touching I really the appreciate phone. it. I, oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for being there for me all these years. And definitely let us know when these movies come out, and we are big promoters of those types of movies, so or any type of movie or music, your next song that comes mm-hmm. out or album, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll help promote it for you. Well, I certainly appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Yeah, please Thanks. come back with Alexa when when Lifetime airs your movie. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she'll do it. She'll do the interview for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Just let us yeah, know when, and we'll we'll set it up. All right. Go enjoy your evening. Thanks to your wife again Relax. for uh, for everything, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so, you so much. much. You're welcome. Have a good night. I'm going, cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Take care of that ankle. Take care of that ankle. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> we do, that was some interview. I mean, I have so much more admiration mm-hmm. and love for for Jacob Young. I mean, he's just amazing in all respects, and I look forward to all his future endeavors and what he brings us because. We all know we're going to love it, no matter what it is, right? Because yeah, mm-hmm. because yeah, I want to see Dark Jacob. We got to promote when um, um, Call Me Angel. I think he said it. The movie was. I want to see Dark Jacob real, yeah. real bad. Oh I yeah, I want to see yeah. the Lifetime movie. I want to see the Lifetime movie. I hope it's like the Deadly Honeymoon Weekend, and on set or Saturday night. That's when the movie comes. Oh my gosh, that's going to be good. With him, it looks. It looks really good. It, I saw the trailers for it. It looks really good. For the Lifetime movie, you saw a trailer you know, for call, sure. Call, call him, call him Angel. Call oh, him Angel. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll have to check that out and uh, tweet and it the out young, then. The young, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and the young boy that's in it is uh, is excellent. You'll be surprised that he. It's a totally different character. Well, I think you'll enjoy it. Another side of him. Yeah, definitely. Well, kids, we're down to 45 minutes. Um, I don't think we'll cover all soaps. But, and again, I did not make my notes because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to sit here long enough because of my back issues, doggone it. So um, we kind of, you know, we can wing it or if anybody else made notes. But for the bold and the beautiful guys, I've solved a dilemma. I have solved a dilemma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blame it on the stars. (laughs) Yes. The triangle dilemma between Liam, Steffi, and Hope. I don't know why I didn't think of this before. And it's so funny that Jacob is from Utah, but I was going to say, (laughs) I think, I think, yep, I think they should move to Utah and they should become sister wives and that'll take care of everything. <laughs> I mean, Amen. you're not lying. You're not lying. I mean, I think we all think that way. 
Yeah, Bold and the Beautiful After Dark on CBS All Access. Absolutely. That would blow them right out of the water, uh, Pam. If, yeah. if General Hospital can have night shift, Bold and the Beautiful can have L.A. After Dark. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. So, um, I, yeah. Did make, I did make some notes, Pam, if okay, you Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, we know we have our, our day's queen. Hi, Carolyn. Um, and I Hi. definitely would like to start with days. Um, All right, then I'm going to first... put the phone down while you're doing that. Uh oh, okay. can't watch it. <laughs> Pam my hasn't first... caught up yet. <laughs> and nope. most important note is definitely Ben and Sierra, and boy, can that boy act! Oh, what up, <laughs> Pam, David? Are Mitchell you there, or David? <laughs> yeah, David. I'm here. David, are okay. you there, David? David, I am can here. back me up on it. And I've been on Twitter, and I've I've wanted him back. I mean, he is so good. He's just got that charisma, and I'm so glad he's back. So glad he's back. <laughs> you know, yep, the soap the soap community up. really gave a lot of flack that he was so one note on you know on the Prospect Park. He came from the Price is Right, so you know all of that. They they yeah, really right, gave him yeah, yeah. a hard time when he first came to Days. And even, you know, even through the whole serial teller storyline, he played it the way they wanted him to play it. And it was a little mm-hmm. bit one note. But coming back, this boy, this boy's got some chops. Um, and the chemistry well, I, I, between I, I, the two of them is just off the charts. I used to go on social media and say, he's a great actor. He's convincing. Don't bash him. I mean, he, oh, last year he was, they were bashing him big time, but... He's coming back with a roar this time. I'm glad. I'm yeah. Glad. Carolyn, what's your what's other than Ben and Sierra? What's what's your big highlight on days right now? Uh, I'm wondering what's going on with Gabby. Did anyone <laughs> see it today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She is experiencing some pain due to her injuries. She's gotten an infection mm-hmm. going on. Probably from that knife wound. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. won't be. Sure, it's a, it's a female thing, and she may not be able to have any more children. But at the end, she's looking very angry towards Stefan. It's all Stefan's mm-hmm. fault. It's all going. It's uh, everybody's going after Stefan. And today, um, <laughs> Chad asked asked Abby if they could have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the timing is so the, the timing is so perfect for them to bring another child into the world. It just it couldn't get any better. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Ooh, I don't. You know, we were you were talking about that earlier. It's all been done before. You know, who's who's the daddy? And now uh, I think Gabby has changed the um, oh the, the results. Beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're yep. gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go in that direction. But uh, how how long is Christopher going to be on the show? Is uh, how long is his contract? Does anyone know? Stephanie? I believe his contract is, is Christopher through, through like February of next He's year. Done filming. Yeah. He, no, he was um, done Tyler filming in May. She Tyler, Tyler Christopher? Christopher. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, I, uh, I I I a lot of people After don't like year. him. I, I, Oh, okay. I really like him, but it seems like they're all going to be mad at him and they're going to go after him. I think what it is is that I think, I mean, 
Tyler Christopher, first and foremost, is an amazing actor, and he does shady like nobody's business, okay? Right. But I think when he came on today's, first and foremost, it was a a wonderful surprise, Um, especially they tied him into a Casadon-like family as far as darkness goes. I think what happened was with the situation with Abby and Gabby, what an eye, um, I think that whole situation, that storyline kind of changed some viewers' minds like, oh, right. so this is right. a creep who took advantage of a unstable young woman who has mental mm. issues. And yeah. I think that's what happened. I think now that there's so many people going against him, I think the obvious, you know, if we're going to keep it in sub-tradition, I think people are thinking they're going to do a who killed storyline, like a murder mystery. Yeah, no. But I'm kind of hoping that they can turn it around because I'm all for not a redemption story. Yeah, okay. See, and you're giving us shade and hint to this. This is what this is where I think they might pull the rabbit out of the hat. They're gonna they're gonna capitalize on the Nicholas um, Catherine Bell connection. Um, I, I really feel like they're they're setting us up. She's gonna something's gonna happen with Steve, and she's gonna be what redeems him um, and keep him mm. on canvas. I don't think okay. I, the, the the they have to they have to draw this out for a while because he's gonna be on canvas for quite some time. Um, he's still well, filming very, right t- now. It's a, yeah, it, it's a very touchy subject. Um, Days has always taken on the uh, the social aspect of things. I've I've always thought they they've done it very well. Um, we were just talking about the bold and the beautiful and CBS, and they don't want to go in that direction and carry it through. Whereas Days seem to take it, but then they drag it out sometimes a little bit too long. <laughs> well, I think yeah. to be honest. I think with the Abby, what really irked me was when Abby said, well, maybe there was a part of me that wanted to sleep with him. No, sweetie, that wasn't what it was. Like, I need for days to call it out. Like, you know, they have characters saying, but really call it out. He raped her. He was not in her right mind in everything. Like, if we're going to go full throttle and, and whatnot, let's go. Let's talk about this. She was not in her right state. She has a mental illness, which Gabby also needs to understand. Right now, Gabby's pissed. Gabby's pissed. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because she no. she went to jail. She got beat up. She got stabbed. Her child says, "I hate you." So yeah. right now, Gabby is that, and for Abby, I I just need for her to come to terms with it. Like I really don't need this. That's why I was kind of against the Who's Your Daddy storyline. Because I'm like, yeah. okay, like, there well, we maybe, go. Maybe, and... uh, maybe when Kate Massey comes back, she'll put a different, um, she's a totally different actress. Actress, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it may, it, that may be the the thing that's going to save it all because she's, she's, she's strong, she's stronger. So we'll see. see they need, how long she's going to They be need to give Tyler they need to have give Tyler Christopher that moment where she realizes he Stefano does not think he raped her. They need to give him that no. moment where he realizes he raped her and then is horrified. 
Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Jacob, he does, Tyler Christopher does vulnerability. If you remember Nicholas when he first came on, and he just wanted yep. to be Lulu's savior and Lucky's brother and Laura's son, and he even wanted, you know, um, Luke to, he does, he does vulnerability like nobody's business. If they gave him that moment and the shock that would come across his face, the tears would start rolling down his cheeks, and he would be horrified with what he did, that would completely redeem the character, and they could carry him on into the next century as you know well, he could be it? the next phoenix we're, we're with the me too movement and who was the actor this week that that said he came out and he said well the women basically men think differently than women and i he apologized i saw that and i i forget who the actor was he got a, he got a little bit of flack on social media but he, he apologized well, i didn't see that well yeah. We need to keep the we need to kind of keep the time rolling. So let's run yeah. let's run right into the Young and the Restless. And okay. Christian is back where he belongs. Is my biggest note for the Young and the Restless. If Phyllis calls Sharon crazy one more time, I think I'm going to throw my TV set out the first floor window because <laughs> it won't break and I can bring it back in. Um, I am loving, loving, loving all of what's going on with Devon. And that whole vulnerability, cuteness that's playing out there. Those are my notes. Uh, Candace, baby, take it away. What you got to say, honey? I got to say this, honey. First and foremost, I feel as though, like, with Havon fans, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And the yeah. scenes with Hillary, you know, where she wants to be the Beyonce because she doesn't want to yeah. be wearing, like, regular maternity clothes and whatnot. And Devon is like, you know, we're not a couple anymore. We're a family. Like, their dreams yep. are finally coming true. Here's where yep. I got to get on my soapbox. I, I, I'm all for Havon. I'm all for Hillary and Devon. But because we know within a few days, even weeks, that Michelle's gone. I don't know. I know she's wrapped, but I don't know how soon. Right. I mean, for right now, I mean, you know, we know that she's. It's a countdown. Unless, Absolutely. You know, it's a countdown. I can't get invested, and in, in, I'm just doing day by day because I don't know what the setup is. I do know that Young and the Russell's is was Kim testing the crap out of Hillary and Nate. Yeah. I'm like, yep. oh, so are we doing this? Because was this supposed to be the setup? I do oh. like, I mean, I like how Hillary is still Hillary, hmm. but now Doesn't it feel so like, real to you, the argument? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it feels real. And that hasn't been for a while. And so I, I'm applauding it 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just what, like, it's just nice to see him. He's embracing. It, it's weird. It's like when I watch Devon, I'm watching everything that Drew and Neil installed into yes. him of how yes. to be a good yes. parent yes. and how that Harmony and Tucker, they kind of lost out. Like, I just like how... He keeps saying, I'm going to be there for my child regardless of the situation. I know this wasn't, you know, what we had in mind, but I'm going to be there. And I like how he's not now listening to Neil and Lily and Kane. I'm going to put Kane in the mix because it's like, live your life. Like, don't tell me how to live my life. This is what I want. Yeah, I got to say, they're dropping the ball on Kane because he's not Kane. I don't know who he is right now. He's Kane's, no, I can't even say evil twin. He's Kane's, the bumbling twin. He's Kane's, you know, Dr. Doolittle twin. 
because he's not yeah. tamed. They're writing him really no. bad right now. No, you know what's funny? I watched this, this true story. Earlier this morning, I watched um, the uh, Christmas episode when Billy Miller was playing Billy, and Billy had that dream that, you know, where John Abbott showed him the past and present. The cane that was represented in there where Catherine and Jill said, well, you know, we think your time has come. You can run Chancellor Industries, right? That's who I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing that cane that was in that dream show, in dream episode play out. I know okay. people are like, yeah, because some people are like, you know, why is Kane a part of the chancellor? I mean, let's go back in history. Well, time, we thought he was still chancellor. You know, we didn't know. Yeah, what, time, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and when yeah. I, he, gained, he gained the trust of Jill and Catherine, okay? And, of course, Jill felt bad because of the situation. So, of course, you know, she leans, you know, gives a, a, a branch to him and whatnot. I feel as though Kane. I mean, there's who else is going to run Chancellor? Well, you know, that's that's something to say. I, I never would have put that spin on it. And kudos to you, Candace, for for recognizing that. But also kudos mm-hmm. to Mel for for giving us as much history. They dropped the ball a couple yeah. years ago for for a while, where history was just basically ignored. And he's really brought back the history of Chancellor, yeah. of of Newman, of Mickey, of Sharon, of of Kane. Of I didn't look at it that way, and you just completely changed my mind. And that's a kudos to Mel because he really has brought the history of the show back into the forefront <laughs> of the current. And, and that's that's a hard thing to do when you went that far straight. Kudos to him, David. What what about you? What are you loving on YNR right now? What am I love? Um, one thing I love that Victor lost. <laughs> I I was celebrating that last night when I was watching it. That Christian is home where he belongs. Yep. Somebody still needs to shave off his mustache though, and I'm gonna stand by that until the end of time. Okay. <laughs> yep. You know what? <clears throat> they need to take his mustache, man, like like Samson with the locks. Um, what's her name? Nikki. Nikki needs to Nikki needs to channel some inner Delilah and say, "Okay, I've had enough now. These are our children. Boom! I'm taking away your power. Boom! There goes the mustache." <laughs> you know what I, I thought was his? What I thought was hysterical was watching um, Sharon and uh, Nikki when they were looking out the window, and they saw JT, and they screamed. Oh my God! I, yes. Swear to God, that was Lucy and Ethel. Think yes. about it. <laughs> yes. Think about Mrs. it. Mrs. Kravitz. Mrs. Kravitz. Oh, no. It was Lucy and Ethel to the man. No, when yeah. they're, they're doing something Lucy they're not supposed to be, and they get caught, or they see something, or whatever, and they scream like they scream together. They're both, with, all you see was kind of like floating heads, you know? And it was so <laughs> funny. Oh my God! I I laughed my butt off when I saw that. Now, did you guys, when you were talking, because I didn't realize you moved on to Y and R until David told me, when you were talking about Hillary and that, <clears throat> did you mention um, anything about Nate? Yes, yes, Candace, and and we we all feel that um, Nate and the girl. The girl is definitely chemistry with Devon. I, I, for whatever reason, Sasha, Sarah, I cannot remember her name, but the chemistry Shauna. is is Shauna. Thank you. 
the chemistry with her and Devon and the chemistry with Nate and Hillary is definitely popping off the uh, popping off. Well, no, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking that because she can't stand him so much, she's going to want him, and that's going to be her ending of how she's going to leave the show. Yes, yes, that's what we were saying. That's exactly what we were saying. You know what? But I also think this. I think. See, this is this is why I say like I'm right now with Hillary and Devon. I'm just doing day by day because I can't think past. You know, they're already taping the first week of August, so I can't I can't go past you know next, next week because I don't know when the final scene is going to be. I believe right. though they were setting up for maybe, and this is just me, a Nate, Devon, and Hillary. But now that we won't have a Hillary. And we don't know how they're going to do this. I can't. I mean, I can't really invest. Right. Until you know what I'm saying. Like I feel right. stuck. I'm still like, okay, I'm just watching. Okay, I'm watching Thursday. Oh, she's on. I wonder if she's going to be on tomorrow. Okay. Is she going to exactly. be on there Monday? Like, like exactly. that's when I'm. So that's how I'm feeling right now. Like I'm happy that Hillary and Devon have made it this through, that the the rebuilt, the communication, the you know, everything has happened. They're in a good place right now. They're still being true to themselves without being phony. Um, I like that Devon is still, you know, he's Devon. What else are you going to say about him? And right. Hillary is just going to stay true. She's going to stay true, and she's going to be the Beyonce of the GC. And that's how she is. But and for Nate, he's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hello. <laughs> and okay, so like staying with the Young and the Restless but going on to another storyline, do we do we feel that the Billy the downfall is being rushed a little too much and it's a little too plastic feeling? Or yeah. is it just me? No, I, I don't mm. like it at no, all. It's rushed. I don't like it's, it. I might be the only person that does. No. You know what? Let me just say this. It's because I don't like where it's going to lead to if this is going to be a summer Billy thing. I don't like that part of it. If he was just gambling and, you know, losing half of of, uh, Jabot, that would be one thing. But if it's going to end up where him and, and Summer are, are making out, I, I just can't with that. I can't See, do anything. I, unless it's a cover thing where they don't want him to know that he's lost it all, so he covers it up by saying that he's having an affair with Summer. I don't know. I was thinking that, too, but I don't think it's even going to go that far because what I personally, this is, you talk about the use of history. And this whole Billy thing is classic Billy. Because if you remember, right. he right. never it's wanted Jabot. Yeah, yeah, he never wanted Jabot. He's always been the man child of the Abbott right. family. So he's yeah. destined to screw up somehow, some way. And the thing is, is that, you know, at the same time, Billy's always wanted to be the uh, gold, the gold star child in a way. He wanted right. to, recognize, you know, to be recognized for certain things. I mean, look at what he did with Russell Stout. You know, he wanted to be like, oh, look at me. Look what I can do. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is that he's not a child anymore. He's a grown-up. Right. He has to take on this responsibility of the family company. Everything will fall on him. 
when he bought that boat, Jaboat, which I thought, Young and the Rustlers, y'all are so wrong for that, but it was so I know, right? Yeah, Jaboat. You know, and then him being sucked back into the world of gambling. Look, anybody who's had an addiction knows that if you It's easy can, to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy yep. to be sucked back in by right. one or two people who may not know how bad your addiction really was. Summer, who is, I'm going to say this, I like how they're writing Summer in a way. She has kind of an edge to her that she didn't have before. She reminds me of 90s Phyllis. Okay. Exactly. Oh my God! Yeah. Yes. And, and to me, I feel as though where this story is going to be going is that of course you're going to have Ashley. She's going to investigate where is this money going to. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that Billy's going to start stealing money from Jabal mm-hmm. to pay for his losing, you know, losing the money or putting the money up. I think where mm-hmm. Phyllis, I was about to say Donna, Lord, um, where Phyllis is concerned. I think, because I think she hired a PI, you know, probably. I think what it is is that she's going to see them having a moment, and And old Phyllis starts to emerge. I guess that's what it is. Who has, like, like, some insecurities, because we all know Phyllis has insecurities about who Right, and she already thinks she's already suspicious because of him not coming home. And he yep. said he was at the office, and, and she the went there, and he wasn't there, and blah blah blah. So yeah, that mm-hmm. I can see, and that I can live with. I just, I just don't, I don't know why, but it, like I said before, I think um, it just feels like incest to me, even though that they're not all related. Oh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because we thought with those, she creepy. could be an abbot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's creepy. Absolutely. All right, so, I guess we should roll on through into the land of L.A. Um, my first note is, do we see the signs of them setting up for Crazy Pam's comeback? It's very subtle, mm-hmm. but do, do we think Crazy Pam's about to emerge? No, because we already got a new crazy on the show. Uh, yeah, let's talk Zoe the Stalker. <laughs> Honey, can we? Can oh yeah. Stacey's the new. Import she is, I said this. Yeah, I said this on Twitter. Zoe is reminding me of old school Quinn and Morgan. Hmm. Yep. Oh, Remember Morgan? Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes. Yes. Take me back. And you know, um, they they dropped the ball with Ashlyn. Um, uh, what was her name on the show? You know. Crazy, crazy oh, daughter. Uh, um, Allie. Allie, thank you. They really yeah. dropped the ball with that because they had set it up so well, and then it just fell so flat. And the way they're setting up Zoe, the character, if they if they continue it in the vein they're doing right now, they've got a phenomenal a phenomenal um, you know, edgy seat story that can be played out. All you have to do is look at her eyes, and you know she's yeah. insane. Yeah. And her and lip. she's got that she timber. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the timber in the back of her voice, too. Yeah. It's like, and talking yeah. to that cat. <laughs> so, please, bring, please, bold and beautiful, Belle, please be listening today. Please, please, please bring it on, because we haven't had Crazy Sheila. We didn't get, we didn't get full extent Crazy Quinn, and we were all waiting for it. We were all waiting for Crazy Sheila, Crazy Zoe, yeah. and Crazy Pam. Bring them I'm out and morning. let them loose. Let and think, them of, let think loose. of how many people it's going to affect 
because here she is going after Hope online. So it's going to affect a lot more people than just Xander and uh, Emma. Okay. Can can I can we talk about Xander and Emily for, and Emma for one second? Because I just need to. Please. I just feel as though I need to get this off my chest. Thank you, so Jesus. Um, <clears throat> this is Nicole and Zenday 2.0. I'm uh-huh. sorry. I can't. Uh-huh. I feel as though with Zoe, like at least because I think when fans heard that Zoe and Xander and Emma thought about Nicole, Zenday, and Sasha, right? Yeah, now we're gonna Sasha. see. Yep. Yeah, we're looking at Zoe now, like, ooh, she could be the new psycho in town. Okay. But with M and Zen, I just see Nicole and Zenday. They need to do more for me to, to separate them from Nicole and Zenday, like ASAP. Because I'm not, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel as so though you just well, had you, the same, you co- feel, a copycat. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Do you feel that Emma and Xander have chemistry because I don't feel it. No. Nope. I feel forced. They're both very it. plastic. I, they're forced. Okay. They're forced. Yep. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I, I, I feel like they're I mean, Bobby, I've like they're Bobby and Ken and somebody's playing, the, the you know, playing like mm-hmm. them having chemistry. Like there's a six-year-old girl, you know, giving them all these romantic setups, you know, holding the strings mm-hmm. above the set. That's really what it feels no, like. No, I wouldn't even compare them to Barbie Ken. I would call them the, um, what is it, the Roddy version of the dolls. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the Dollar, the really Dollar Tree version. Box. Yes. <laughs> the, yep, the, do- the Dollar Tree the ones, not even with the plastic, where the, the arms just pop out and you have to pop it back in, like it doesn't move or anything. <laughs> okay, and it needs it needs to be said. Do we think that Bill is somehow involved? Or and, and I'm going to throw a curveball out here with with um you know with with uh, Brooke uh, uh, not Brooke I, I was going to say could Brooke quite possibly be involved? Um. Behind the scenes with with uh, what's her name, uh, Zoe. With this book. Yeah, and and my thing my thing for that is, I think Brooke misguidedly might have been going along with it to get Liam and Steffi back, uh, Liam and Hope back together. Well, I don't know. I I don't see I'm, it really. Me either. I mean, Brooke may have graduated from the Stephanie. Stephanie Forrester school, but this is, this would be, no, I, this would be a major character, this would be a part of a character assassination if they have Brooke be, I see what you're saying, but I just don't see right. Brooke. Well, think about it for a second. Yeah. Bill has the media company. If anyone's giving her the, the inside tips, it would be him. And Brooke wants Bill to leave uh, you know, the whole situation alone, and yet he pointed out to her everything would work out in her daughter's favor, could there have been more to that conversation that we haven't seen? Hmm. I mean, Bone the Beautiful shocker. always does that, though. But Bone yeah. Beautiful, if you think about Bone the Beautiful history, they always mislead the, the viewers because it That's goes back I'm again to, to when, we, when we thought that Thorne was coming back to take Allie home. Little did we know, they killed off Allie. Um, yep. When they said that Ivy was going to get a shocking surprise, we didn't know what the heck that means. She got electrocuted. 
So to me, I feel it's so okay, that's what bold beautiful. Okay. Um I feel it's so I don't think it's Brooke. I do have somebody in mind that could be even so I I mean I something half of me is like Zoe's not acting alone. I think she does have somebody with her to help her. It's just somebody I don't think nobody would I don't think anybody would suspect this person and this person isn't even on the show right now. Yeah, no maybe it's, maybe like it's somebody. Back. Maybe oh, I don't even know. That's hard to guess, I but yeah, you, I can I can see that. Yeah, because I you can, know both are beautiful. In the last couple of years, they brought Sheila back. They had Taylor come back. The person that I think may be in cahoots with Zoe that that knows the Foresters inside and out, Amber. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, right, right, oh. Right. Oh, oh, I like oh that. right. Bonaby I, I wish I had like drum rolls at my at, at, at my disposal. Oh, good one. Mm-hmm. Any? Are there any other notes that anybody wants to throw out about bold before we move on to general? No, no, uh-uh. no. Nope. All right. So she moved him from the stables. To a root cellar, I mean, from the cabin to a root cellar to the stables. Is he going to end up in the dumpster behind the PCPC tomorrow or and Monday? Anthony, you forgot something. You forgot something. Without uh-huh. having any KFC chicken. Right, right. <laughs> and that little boy with his bugle, I mean, come on. I am loving crazy Obrek. There will never be a day oh, I know, right? they can make her do <laughs> that I will not love. Because when she puts those those funny words and, you know, and she throws out Scarecrow and uh, there's nothing that they can make her do or say that I won't love. But honestly, I mean, seriously, little bugle boy, they were in the cabin. The notebook's missing. He is going to be in the dumpster from, on Monday. <laughs> Well, I'm ju- I'm just glad that somebody's believing Little Bugle Boy because you know Wyatt. eventually that it's going yeah it's going to uh, you know help save Peter or maybe um, Nina's going to finally give in or who knows what's going to happen with that but yeah as long as they can play out Crazy Obrek I'm all for it I I just absolutely love her this is when she's at her top form. Yeah. I have to say, today yep. was the first time that I felt Lulu and Maxie notes for real. They 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 let the two of them play. They let the two of them just come out, and it was the first time I felt Lulu and Maxie for real in in two years. It was so good. Yeah, well, when oh, they yeah. started with throwing stuff at each other and whatever, I knew they were going to end up laughing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, you know, it was, it was breaking the breaking the ice and getting rid of the aggression like you would see in some kind of uh TV show therapy session, you know, where they break yep. out the noodles and they start beating yeah. each other. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, the I know the last time that we talked or the time before or whatever, I mentioned that I thought there was, could possibly be a murder mystery with Bench, but then we heard that um, Chloe. Chloe 
was going to, you know, bite the the big one. But here now I just saw a spoiler that said that uh, there's going to be a murder mystery with Bench. So it looks like there's going to be two of them. Yeah, one... uh, One's going to be a fake out. I'm sure of it. One's going to be a red herring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... The signs signs are all there. Um, I wish they did. And I just have to say... I very, very, very infrequently do the I told you so dance where my booty shakes and I'm knocking things off the shelf. But if it is not so damn apparent that Chase is Finn's son, then oh, they yeah. need to be slapped with a big fish. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought from the beginning. Yeah, so. you said that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Disappointed with the murder for Bench. I think that... This is one of those things where, as a so fan, you get like really upset about because this was a really good. It, I mean, if you take away some layers, the Me Too story is a really good story on General Hospital, and I don't think that they should murder this character. I no, think he should go, he to, should go to jail. He should get yeah. stripped of his license. Mm-hmm. Like, let's really do this. That, that's why mm-hmm. I said earlier is that with this genre, the social issues. I get it. People sometimes are afraid for it to go real, but this yeah. is a real situation. Yeah. And 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 I mean, I mean, some people would love to hurt the one, the people that hurt them, but in reality, right now, they're going to jail. They're being stripped from all mm, of their exactly. Duties they're losing their companies. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. Awards. You know their and clients. So why and I not have do to that, jump in Hospital? And say this, you have James freaking DePava. If anybody right, can exactly. the yeah. whole all of it, use this man. Use him for what he is. I mean, he's he's James DePava. Use mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please don't, don't go the murder mystery route. Yeah. Well, yeah, do a who done it, but don't kill him off. Have him live right. through it. You know what? Would be, you, you know what would be good too, is if they, um, you know, you were saying about a red herring, that some, you know, mm-hmm. they think he's dead because whoever kidnapped him to torture his butt, <laughs> they think that he was killed, but he's actually in a basement, or maybe he's with Peter getting tortured. You know what I mean? Oh, that would be good. That would be at least that. <laughs> Yeah, and have somehow or another DNA end up on or around Tiki where she gets arrested and right. and then, boom, you know, it is a red herring. That would be phenomenal. Right. Yeah. Now, I saw a crazy spoiler today right before we got on the show um, that the man in the room next to Carly is Lorenzo Alcohol. Uh, alcohol? Oh, Jesus. Um, alcohol? Oh. Wait a minute. We know oh, what Anthony's thinking out. about. Hey, Anthony's thinking about that big long I, weekend coming I, up. I, I think, yeah. I think <laughs> that was my. Wait a minute! I think Anthony. that was my tweet that you saw because I said that, because I th- I think where it came from is as we all know, General Hospital Fan Club weekend is in what uh, less than two weeks, and yeah. Ted King is going to be there at the at, at the event, yeah. the fan event. Yeah, that's interesting. So people was like, "Wait a minute, hold up." 
he's not now. I don't know if he's going to the one life to live one, but he's going to the general hospital main luncheon. There's a difference. Mm. Oh. So you know the general hospital has the past cast event where past yeah. cast members, but apparently Ted King is going to the main one. So people are like, what? Like, wait a minute, hold up here. What's what's going on? Now, if you've been following the story of the Morris Code, a lot of people think it was either Kevin or maybe Ryan or Kevin, but wouldn't it be? Now, General Hospital's been taking a, a page out of Bold and Beautiful. I got to give it to them because we didn't know that Georgie was going to be at Nathan's funeral. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to still cry. Yeah. It would be yeah. something. Okay. It would be something if the person that's really like to Carly we may think it's Ryan or Kevin, but it's really Alcazar, Lorenzo, whichever brother survived. That, think about it. Ted King, back on GH. Right. He played yeah, two parts. I, I, I can definitely get behind that, without a doubt. Yeah, and other than that, I, I can't even picture who it is because I really, really don't believe that it's Heather. No, so, no, it's not Heather, it's that, not Olivia, it's, it's not the ghost of Morgan. I love that. Yeah, but right. you yeah, know what? But you know what? Someone, I yeah. actually was thinking that it could possibly be Morgan. You know, we know Brian Craig is probably not back, but maybe somebody else is playing that part now. That's a, that's, that's bring... a popular theory. <laughs> I think it would be a little too convenient, and it would fall flat uh, if it is, honestly. But, I, you know, that's just my personal opinion. Candace? All right, we love Candace. Mm-hmm. David? Well, yeah, I mean, my, my guess was that this might go back to the Croton thing, and I was thinking it's Charlie Delaney. Oh, I like that. I really like that. But guys, we're going to have to continue this conversation about GH at our next show um, because our interview ran so long, which we, oh my gosh, I, I would have talked the whole two hours with Jacob. <laughs> um, my new best friend. We're down to the last minute, so stay tuned to our next show, which is 14 days, the 26th of July at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, We may or may not have a guest at that time. I'm still waiting on confirmation. And uh, if not, it's still going to be a great show. We'll be talking all soaps, and, you know, you're always welcome to call in and, and share your thoughts. Um, we'd love to have you. So thanks, guys, for a great show, and we'll see you around next time. Have a great night, everybody. Bye, guys. Keep watching. Good night, everybody. Have a fun weekend, Anthony. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Have fun.